Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I am so excited to have Pastor T.S. Lushan with me today. Pastor Lushan is one of the authors of the book Crept In Unawares. Read this book about a year ago after hearing some uh, people kind of taking shots at some certain beliefs and things. And I heard them and I thought, well, that sounds a lot like what I believe. And who are they shooting at? And I, I didn't think it was me, but I got to looking into it. Uh, I ended up uh, hearing some things that past, or, uh, Evangelist Brian Sharp was preaching, who I was familiar with. And then I saw he was selling this book. And so I read it. I started reading the book. And sure enough, that's who they were shooting at. And then that's kind of where I was introduced to Pastor Lushan. I, I don't believe we've ever met uh, before in person, but um, wasn't familiar with him. But read the book and just I, I enjoyed it. It was very refreshing to hear these guys saying some of the things that they were saying. And you know, obviously, you know, you, you don't ever agree a hundred percent with anybody. But overall, the overall message of this book, I'm just like, this is great. This is good stuff. And and so um, I ended up reading it again recently, and I thought I would like to do a book review. Uh, on this podcast, but I thought it'd be better. It'd be really awesome if I could get the authors on here. So I called, I talked to Pastor Lushan. He agreed uh, to come and talk about it. And uh, Lord willing, Brother Sharp is also going to be uh, coming on here too and talking about it. So I'm very excited about this book. So Pastor Lushan, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself um, to everyone and tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and your ministry, and uh, I'd appreciate that. Okay. Well, uh, Pastor Tim Bouchon, obviously, pastor of Hilltop Baptist Church here in Hunter, Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been here for 22 years now. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 44 years. We just celebrated our anniversary. Uh, Lord's blessed us here. He's uh, allowed us to open up several ministries here, uh, one of which is our Baptist Old Pass Preparatory School, which is an online college, Hilltop Publications, uh, and things like that. And uh, God has been very good to us here. We've seen folks saved and uh, continuing to uh, stand up for the word of God. And that seems to be our main thrust, especially the words of that book. Okay, I appreciate that. So um, what motivated you to write this book? Obviously, you know, there's always something that kind of triggers things. Um, I know for myself, um, it was probably... um, seven or eight, nine years ago, where I was really questioning things like dispensationalism. And it was very difficult for me to admit I was not a dispensationalist because I'd always kind of thought, if you're Baptist, that's just that's just what you believe. And at the time, I didn't really hear a lot of people speaking out against this. And so uh, I know you've probably been against it for a long time. I know this book is newer, and uh, but... Um, you know, I guess what motivated you to uh, write this at the time you did? Well, I'm sure, as you know, we're in a time where we're seeing uh, Baptist churches, independent Baptist churches. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of splintering. There's a lot of divisions. There's a lot of differences. You know, if we go back in Scripture, the Lord said that he's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Well, <laughs> that's long gone now. And now we're at this time. And I was reading in over there in Matthew 15 and Mark 7 with the Lord when he confronted the scribes and the Pharisees. 
And they said to them, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? His answer was, why do you also transgress basically the word of God? And what they did was they added in a scribe. And now that's very important. He was talking to a scribe and Pharisees. They wouldn't change one word in God's book. They, they were meticulous about that. But they added in traditions alongside of the words of God, thereby making them null, void, of none effect, and they were rejected. Well, I started thinking. I had a pastor 40 years ago, 45 years ago, told me, you know, use this particular copy of God's book, but don't read the notes. Well, I didn't read the notes, and they have to be C.I. Schofield's notes. Well, those notes alongside the Word of God, they're not the words of God. And it is amazing how people will gravitate to that. So when I saw that confrontation between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees, immediately I began to put those things together as if it was the same. If the Lord Jesus came back today, which uh, that's hypothetical, obviously, we know the chronological scripture. But if he were to come back today and, and, and face what's going on today, he'd run into the same problem. Oh, yeah, I believe the King James Bible. I believe every word. But what about these words? You've got these set alongside. That's my basis for why I wanted the book to be written. Okay. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, that I uh, really appreciate appreciated about this book. You know, a couple things is when it came to the stuff that, you know, I, I was already familiar with. For example, you guys do a fantastic job of debunking dispensational salvation, uh, for one. And But I felt like I got a lot more ammo. Um, so when it came to all these different things, you know, they said there, a lot of this stuff I'm reading in here, it's like I was with you, but I felt like I got more ammo, so I appreciated that. But there were a lot of things, too, that really got me thinking and challenged me. And a lot of that, too, is when it comes to our beliefs. You know, is this based on clear scripture or is this based on uh, a theology that we're right. trying to make the scripture back up, you know, right. is it based on uh, the actual words of God or are we using all of these extra biblical words? Or many times, too, we've literally taken Bible words and we're, we've misused them. We're, you know, we've attached other meanings to them. And so there was a lot of things uh, in the book. Um, there's a lot of things I've heard even in your preaching where it really challenges me to, I guess, really think through more things. You know, we've all just been kind of been programmed through these theologies and things. And, and I do think that we do. We've, we've got a lot of tradition that has made the word of God void. And, uh, and so uh, I, that's, you know, one of several things I like about this book. But before we get into some of the specifics of this book that I want to talk about. Uh, can you tell tell us a little bit about the two men who co-authored this book with you? Well, we've been friends for years, and um, um, because of a camaraderie of us being attacked because of certain stands that we take, especially words of God, um, we, we, we would talk and we'd get together. And, you know, Brother Sharp had a really good grasp on the history of, for instance, C.I. Schofield and how that came about. Brother Edwards had a grasp on some other things, and specifically it was interesting what came about is he, he once raised wolves. Hmm. Well, the book is called Crepin Unaware, and obviously God relates it to wolves. And then my 
being with talking to them about that passage of scripture, those passages where the Lord was confronting the scribes, where they wouldn't change a word, but they added in alongside those things to the words of God, these traditions of men, doctrines of men. And that kind of put us together, and we kind of agreed, you know, uh, somebody ought to write a book about this. And then I'm not exactly sure who, which one of us suggested that all three of us get together. And we made a, a joke about it. We said, everybody ought to buy this book just because three independent Baptist preachers actually did something without fighting with each other. <laughs> so that's how, that's how the book came about. And uh, uh, that's, that's basically it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed, um, you know, and I've, I'm, I've known Brother Edwards uh, for a long time. really appreciate, you know, him. Um, he has a book, too, A Continuation of the Church of the Wilderness, that's really good. I need to get another copy of that. I gave mine away a long time ago, uh, but that was a great book too. And I read that book and I'm just like, man, where was this book, you know, a long time ago? You know, I wish I would have read that, you know, that would have been available much longer ago. But then I, I heard people taking shots at that. And that's why I'm just like, you know, uh, I, I got to see what these guys are saying because, you know, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like what I believe. And, uh, and so I do, I, I appreciate that you guys have kind of taken the heat. Um, and so, you know, I guess that kind of leads me to this question, you know, what has been the response from this book? Well, of the books that are sold, that have been sold, um, those who have read it, um, we get positive response. And this is very interesting. We've only received positive response on a personal basis. What's interesting is we hear the criticisms of others about the book, but they never brought it to us. So that's kind of unique, and it tells, it's very telling. That's um, one thing, if, if, if you agree with something, you talk to somebody about it. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, would you explain this, or I don't understand this, or I don't believe this. And we ought to be able to sit down with the words of God and come to some kind of agreement with his words to be able to have a discussion without, for instance, criticizing somebody behind their back. The scriptural principle is if you have ought against any, you go to them first alone, and then if they don't hear you, and of course that's applied to a church, but you know the principle there. So the response has been good as far as those who agree with some of the principles in the book, and they've not agreed with everything. I don't think, like you said, I don't think all of us, sometimes we don't agree with ourselves, so you know, there's times we've got to step back. But the response has been good, and uh, uh, many copies have been sold. Um, uh, we give away copies. We try to help people with that intent, to try and help, to get them to see just some of that history. And, of course, then the scriptural doctrinal aspects. And, uh, so it's been positive uh, as, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if the ones who didn't agree would give us a call, would talk to us, ask some questions. Sometimes one question would clear up a whole lot of uh, doubt or, or, you know, contention. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and if I, you know, may just kind of, you know, insert some of my own, you know, thoughts and opinions here. But, um, you know, as somebody who uh, was not, uh, before I read this book, was not familiar with you, you know, and you're kind of hearing, you know, people are being mean, divisive, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, when I, I will say when I read your section of the book, cause it starts out with brother sharp, uh, and then it goes to brother Edwards. And I, I was familiar with both of them. I've met them, been around them, heard them preach in person. And, you know, and typically when I read somebody's book and I know them, I just kind of hear it in their voice 
and I kind of attach their personality to it. Uh, when it, when I read your section, you know, I wasn't familiar with you at the time, and I'm just like, man, this guy is intense. I thought, man, he's being mean. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the impression I got. And so, but the thing is, I went back, but then I, I went and I was like, I got to go hear this guy's preaching. And I found, uh, you know, your YouTube channel and I started listening to a lot of your preaching. And, then, and after I kind of got to know you that way, I'm like, oh, this guy's not as crazy as I thought. And then I went back and I read this again. And as I read it, I, you know, I realized from getting to know you through your preaching, you know, you are very uh, specific on your words. And I like that. You know, I, I think too many Baptists, they get done preaching and you don't even know what they believe, you know, because they're just kind of all over the place. They're so vague. But, you, you know, you're very specific in these things. And so after I read it again, <clears throat> kind of, you know, with your voice in my head and your personality, uh, I didn't, you know, I, I guess I didn't take it the same way anymore. And but and so at the same time, too, um, you know, I again, I'm like, I, I've, I've just committed on this program. If I'm going to talk to talk about someone, uh, I owe them at least a discussion first. And I've not always done that and followed that. And, you know, and I, I don't think that's right. Um, even brother sharp is somebody who, you know, uh, and I talked to him about this and apologize for it, but, you know, I've publicly been critical of him for things that, you know, I've heard him say that, you know, I probably should have maybe talked to him first, got some clarification, um, made sure, hey, I'm understanding this right. I think everybody is owed that anyway. And I and so I will say for all those out there who maybe have heard stuff about these guys or disagree with them or whatever, I mean, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I don't have any, you know, political power. Uh, I've, I'm definitely somebody that, you know, you could probably nail for a lot of stuff, but these guys, they were very kind and gracious with me and I appreciated that. And, and so I, I think we just owe that to people. And I do know as somebody who has been misrepresented before, when I hear people, you know, talking about you and saying things that it's like, I, I know are total misrepresentations that just makes me, that just gives them more credibility, you know, you guys more credibility and them less credibility and I guess I wish in the Baptist world we would get back to just having a backbone, calling people up, and just, you know, actually talking about these things. And, you know, we probably find out we've got, you know, more in common than we realize. And and I will say that when it comes to what you guys are promoting in this book, you know, it is, I, I do believe you have a loyalty to the Scriptures. And so I feel like even if there's an area where we disagree, if we were to take the time, to, you know, really discuss some of these finer points, you know, we could probably come to some kind of, you know, mutual agreements or whatever, but, uh, but either way, um, you know, I do want to just tell everybody, you know, I do, these guys have been men about this whole thing. And, um, and so I do, I think they deserve respect and I'm here today to listen to, you know, what pastor Lushan has to say. And so, um, in, in your book on the front, you know, it's got the wolves on there and you, it's got the names by several. You want to tell us a little bit about these wolves that you believe have crept into Baptist churches? Well, the Lord identified them. And again, if we start with scripture, 
which we should do, <laughs> in the words of Scripture, the word wolves. If we go to the Scripture and look at the first time it was used, is in Ezekiel. And the Lord in there, he says, about those wolves, they violated his law, profaned his holy things, put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And he says, to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. That's the first time the Holy Ghost gave the word wolves. The last time he gave it, he says that in there in, in, in Acts chapter 20, that these men would crept, be crept in unaware. Jude speaks about certain men that would come in. Well, in Acts 20, he says they would come in from the outside and from among ourselves speaking perverse things to draw disciples after the, away disciples after themselves. Well, we see that if we look at it, we see that happening right now. And so a wolf would be somebody who would bring in words that are not in God's book for one purpose, to draw disciples on themselves, to not put a difference between the holy and the profane, the unclean and the clean, to dishonest gain. Um, you're familiar with the words feign words? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, feigned words, they'll make merchandise of you. Let's face it. Uh, religion, Bible colleges, Bibles, the biggest selling things in the Baptist world. And now if you've got feigned words involved, it fits. A wolf is someone who brings in the wrong words with the wrong intent. Now, there's a difference between innocence and intention. So we have to be very cautious about that. I probably deal with more people that are innocently get involved because of a wolf than actual speaking with a wolf themselves. So I would determine that a wolf would be characterized by what God gave us in his book, those particular uh, characteristics. And that's what we stuck to, of course, even with the book. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, people, they might think, you know, it's easy to just accuse you of nitpicking and things like that. Because, again, there are a lot of people who are, in, you know, they, they're doing these things innocently. It's just what yeah. they've been taught. They trust their mentors. Um, you know, I, I understand all that. But without a doubt, the results of this has been devastating. You know, when it comes to a lot of the teachings that have come in through dispensationalism, through these names that you mentioned here, you know, Wes Cotton Hort, you know, who have corrupted the Bibles um, through Schofield and his notes that are in people's Bibles. And, and more and more you hear people interpreting the Bible in a way that makes no sense, but yet it lines up perfectly with Schofield's notes showing right. that they have an influence, you know, Darby Larkin, um, you know, with, without a doubt, there has been devastating result, uh, results. And so the thing is, I do think it's important to really call these things out and to do it strongly. You know, it's like everybody's wanting you to fight this with a feather duster, you know, instead of a sword. And, yeah. you know, I, I just, I have a hard time getting mad at some guys that are maybe, you know, hitting a little harder than even I would, you know, and that's the thing. It kind of motivated me too, because, you know, I'm against dispensationalism. I consider myself anti-dispensational. I I'm against Schofield and all these guys, but you know, I've, I'm often very nice to dispensationalists, which kind of leads me to the next question because th again, this book hits it hard, but what do you say to people who 
whenever they hear you calling out dispensationalism, they always try to say, well, I'm not that kind of dispensationalist. You know, I'm not a hyper. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Ruckmanite, but I, you know, I'm still a dispensationalist. You know, what do you say to these people? Well, the first thing I do is I ask them, do you understand the history of it? Mm-hmm. We've got to have a basis for everything. If we don't have a foundation based on the words of God, we're going to be off somewhere. A lot of people start in the middle of something and go forward instead of going back and finding out where did this begin? So what I've often done is ask them, try to ask them very kindly, do you know where this began? Where did dispensationalism begin? And the first thing I go to is the word itself. The word in scripture is dispensation used four times. It is a verb. It is a disbursement of the words of God. It is not periods of time. Add an S to it, you change it from a verb to a noun. Add an A-S-L-I-M to it, you change the entire word. So we have to always point back to the basis of words. And if we're going to talk about dispensationalism, really we can't because it doesn't exist in the mind of God. He didn't do that. That's not what he set up. He dispersed the words of God by certain men through time. It is not periods of time that the word dispensation lends thought to. So when we think of it like that, then it makes it very simple. Uh, When any system of theology diminishes ought from any word given by God, that ought to be warning enough to not be associated with it. Um, And I know there are different fractions of of dispensationalists. You know, you have Calvinists, hyper-Calvinists, you know, all of those different things. Well, wait a minute. The Lord said there should be peace in all the churches of the saints. It's the faith that he delivered once, one time. Well, then dispensationalism, just because it is splintered, doesn't fit. So we have to consider that. And a lot of people, a lot of men that I talk to, when they'll, when they'll, when, you know, we try and be kind to them and they'll listen when they're not just, you know, I don't believe that. And then they, you know, they'll hang up on you or something. Um, if they, if they were asked, okay, take the word dispensationalism and show me where God's book uses that term. They can. And most of them won't even try and figure out what the word dispensation actually means. It's very simple. God said there was, the Lord said there was simplicity in Christ. And we're not to receive another gospel, another Jesus, or another spirit. That word spirit is words. It is also used as words. So try and try and be kind to them, but get them to go do the research themselves. And that has helped a lot. I've seen a lot of good response to that, where later on somebody will go back and say, well, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize C.I. Schofield's beliefs. I didn't realize where he came from, his belief structure. Um, what he thought about the words of God. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if any Baptist who truly believes the words of God would read Schofield's own words about what he produced, they'd never pick up the Schofield Bible again. He associates himself with Westcott and Hort. He says that they made corrections to the Greek. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's so many negatives in what he said about his own work. And I thank God I had a pastor 45 years ago. He handed me a Schofield Bible. He said, now, I'm only giving you this because I know where everything's at in it. and I can point to it. Just don't read the notes. Mm-hmm. So I followed his advice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing, too. You know, in this book, uh, Brother Sharp starts it out in the first chapter, kind of given a lot of Schofield's personal history. And because uh, and he, he was he he was a pretty sorry guy. He had a lot of major 
personal problems, you know, as well as doctrinal problems. But then uh, when you get to Pastor Edwards' section, um, he goes in a lot of great detail showing his notes and showing the things that Schofield said. And I'm telling you, if most Baptist preachers got up and said the things from the pulpit, taught the things from the pulpit that are in the notes of their Schofield Bibles, they get ran out of most Baptist churches. And what's funny is I'm seeing a lot of independent Baptists who are lamenting all of these guys who are transitioning from the King James and the things that they're teaching that happen to line up exactly with the notes that are in their Schofield Bibles. And so, you know, maybe they should watch out promoting the Schofield Bibles because there's some real problems. And, and, and in the book, you guys hit Schofield really hard. And, and why do you think it's important to talk about Schofield do you, do you think his notes have had an impact on Baptist theology? Well, let, let me answer it like this. First of all, Baptist theology. That is proof alone that his notes have hurt Baptist churches and Baptist people. Because it should be the faith that was once delivered, not Baptist theology. And I get criticized for saying things like that all the time. But the faith is written 24 times in the Word of God, speaking about something very specific. Now, as far as Schofield, when we go back to him, remember what the devil said? The first words that God gave us that the devil said, Yea, hath God said. Take a text of the King James, put in the notes along the side. Those notes are saying very loudly, Yea, hath God said. The devil hasn't changed any of his tactics. He just found somebody that he could use. He found somebody that he could devour, and that's what he's done. A lot of people don't realize that C.I. Schofield's notes ended up in the Dallas Theological Seminary as their curriculum. Well, think about that. How many Baptists went to that school years and years and years ago? And we wonder why the, the vocabulary is the same. Why do people agree with certain things? I'm, I'm telling you, it's the power that the devil has to get those same thoughts in somebody's head. Yea, hath God said. And it is that simple. Either we have the words of God or we don't. Schofield did not have respect for just the words of God. A man who could associate with Westcott and Hort, say that they were viable. Tischendorf, other men, where they corrected the Greek. Yeah, if you're a Bible believer and I'm a Bible believer, we understand God created language. That means in the old Greek, he could say the same thing in English. It was a different language, but he could say the same thing. There should be no differences if it's the Word of God. So that's why we hit Schofield real hard. And another reason why is, uh, among Baptists, if we walk disorderly, if we're teaching doctrine that's offensive and against the Word of God, aren't we supposed to mark and avoid each other? Which doesn't get done among Baptists. So what are we doing upholding somebody that's not even within one of those churches? Doesn't make any sense. And again, I think there's a lot of innocence not realizing who Schofield was. I guarantee there's a lot of men that think Schofield was a Baptist. Mm-hmm. I really believe that, that they're in innocence, they do. Now, the ones that were here are the ones that know he wasn't, and they still dig in and say, well, I've taught this for all these years. I'm not going to stop now. And that's been a real problem. And Schofield has lent directly to the problems we're having right now among ourselves as Baptist churches. I really believe that's the truth. No, I I agree. And fortunately for me, I did not get my this is this is my Schofield Bible. I 
uh, I got this Bible right after uh, I started the church here. And one of the reasons I got it, I needed a new Bible. It was nice quality. It, it looked good. And I thought, you know, I've never had a Schofield. And I, it made me, and I was like, man, you know, what kind of Baptist am I? I've never had a Schofield Bible. And so I got it. And thankfully, <laughs> it, was, it was like immediately after that, I started hearing that Schofield wasn't a good guy. And, you know, and I knew to not necessarily trust these notes. I, you know, I thought from just the rhetoric I had heard that he was a trustworthy source. And so uh, I'm glad that, you know, I never, I didn't have time to get too involved in that. That had been a problem. But I want to say, because I know, you know, whenever I do interviews like these, you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking how. Baptists are going to respond when they hear that. And just like with what you said about Baptist theology and kind of being critical of that statement. So on the surface, it might seem a little nitpicky, but you know, I would challenge people to to think about what they're saying and to and to really take it to heart because as um you know, just our conversation uh that we had a couple of days ago, um I've really thought a lot about specific words and things that you brought up. And, uh, you know, the misuse of them. And I, you know, and when you take the time to really ponder on this stuff and how it affects things, uh, I don't think you guys are being too nitpicky about this stuff because we have, we, we've got a world of Baptists where they know what theology they're supposed to follow. You know, they've, they've accepted a theology, they've accepted an ism, they've accepted all these things. But yet, at the same time, too, they don't know the Bible itself very well at all. And, and they, they spend so much time trying to defend an ism, to defend a theology, rather than just defending the scriptures themselves. And it's like the key to getting things right and to be able to sniff out false doctrine is to just know the word itself. Yes. Beca- because we've got this e-sword generation that's just able to you know, look up a word on their computer and, you know, and they'll read all the passages on, but they don't know the context of it. And people are just, you know, being led up a Creek with some just really bad theologies and uh, they get married to those things. And I, I do, I think that's a real shame. And I, and so um, I think the things that people need to criticize, if, if I could just get people to just, whenever they, whenever they read this book to not just, shut it off, but just take some time to think about it a little bit because, you know, I can see why some of them react pretty negatively because it does affect a lot of stuff. If what yeah. you guys are saying is right. about We, we expect that. Mm-hmm. We expect that. It should cause thought. You know how, and I'll use the term, how nitpicky do you think Jesus would be when it comes to other words being used as if it was a proper theology? How pointed would he be? That's what we've lost. That, that word is supposed to be a, a two-edged sword. It's not a feather. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, it's, we're so far away from what we're supposed to. We're not to be contentious. We're not to be mean or people accuse us of being mean-spirited. But, you know, if you're going against the words of God, in any shape or form, if you diminish aught from one of his words, you're going to answer for it at the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Why we, that's why we take the stand that we do. 
Well, let me ask you about this too, because I'm planning on asking Brother Sharp about this, because you know he's in evangelism, goes to a lot of different churches, you know, and pastors sometimes, you know, we typically have our regular places that we go to, but you know, we're not able to get out that much. But uh, and I don't know how often you get out and get in other churches, but you know, in, in your opinion, from what you're seeing, what you hear, what you know, what's your opinion on the state of the independent Baptist movement in this country? Well, I think, and again, with me, it's, it's, it's what they say, like a broken record. Um, if you're listening to someone, say you go to another church, you can almost immediately pick up who they're around, what conferences they go to, what books they read, what authors they enjoy by their, by their words. Um, and then sometimes in speaking with people, you know, if, if you really got them to think about what they just said, you have to point them to, you know, do you understand what you're saying? What words are you basing what you're saying on? What I see is, is a lack of an absolute respect for every single word in that book. We have been so conditioned to take, you know, we can, we can change a word, we can add to a word, we can redefine the word, we can eliminate a word. Well, the devil uses all of those, but the one he uses the most is different versions of the words, different definitions of the words. He doesn't often, you know, when he spoke to Eve, yea, hath God said, read the sentences that he repeated, what he did. It's the same thing we're hearing today among God's people. And the sad thing is, it starts with the preacher, starts with the pastor. You can tell where a pastor went to school most of the time. You can tell who he associates with because of vocabulary. Well, just stop and think about that for a minute. Shouldn't our vocabulary be the Holy Ghost's English vocabulary? That's a simple question. The scripture says in Ephesians, we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That spirit there is S, the little s. Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay, so if I have the right words in my mind, the right thoughts will be produced. His word produces specific thoughts. I am amazed today in churches, the people that I speak with, that we deal with in other churches, that they're speaking, but they're not speaking or using the words that God gave. They're using a different version of that word. And they believe the King James Bible. I'm not talking about those who don't. That's another whole class of people. I'm talking about those who stand up and say, I believe every word of this book. Well, I wonder if you believe it, but how about defining some of the words and diagramming the sentences in that book to see what it really says? I think there's a real lack of that. People just sit back and they take it in and don't study it on their own. If you listen to any of the preaching here, it is said often, you check what is said from this pulpit with the words of God. That keeps me in line, that helps them, and it pleases God. That's what I see, a lack of respect for the words of God. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you said that, too, about how by someone's vocabulary, you can tell what camp they're in. And so I call, I'm calling out hypocrisy, and a lot of the people who are criticizing what you guys are saying, because these same preachers, they will often lament those who are using these terms like instead of Sunday school, you know, connection groups, you know, (laughs) instead, you know, they're always, you know, these trendy terms, you know, your connection cards and your, 
worship center and yeah, church plants. And- yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're familiar with all these uh, things and, you know, the, the fundamental Baptist crowd, they're always like, you know, who are these guys listening after? You know, you can tell their direction by these things that they're saying, you know, why can't we stick to the old paths and, and, and you know, and use the terms like Sunday school and all the th- things that our group uses. And so the thing is, you're kind of doing the what you're doing is you're actually calling these guys out and saying, hey, where are you guys getting your terms from? Because yours aren't in the Bible. But but they the thing is, they do associate you with a with a group. Yes. And and that's what these guys are doing. They're trying to attach themselves to a group of people or whatever. But, you know, we're we're supposed to be old paths, right? We're supposed to be according to the Bible, according to the word of God. And so I just I think it's kind of hypocritical for people to get upset about what you guys are saying when you're calling people back to a biblical use of words and in the same at the same time they're criticizing these other guys for replacing some other unbiblical terms with some newer more hip and trendy terms well you think about this when the lord jesus he was kind and gracious to the sinner he was absolutely gracious who was he and i'll use the word contentious with Those who were supposed to be in charge, mm-hmm. those who were supposed to know the word of God, he he didn't pull any punches with them, and that's what we're trying to do. The average Baptist church member, if they hear some of these things, they'll agree. Mm-hmm. We have more trouble with preachers who dig in and won't admit that they're using the wrong words. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Well, well, hey, this is going to be all the time we're going to have for this particular program, but make sure you all join us tomorrow. We're going to have another episode with Pastor Lujan. We're going to continue talking about some of the things in this book. This has been really good stuff. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. People need to hear this. People need to be challenged on this stuff. And I would encourage everyone to go and buy this book. The link is in the website uh, for the book, Crept In Unawares. Make sure you go and purchase a copy of that book. Uh, read it. Uh, buy an extra one. Give it to somebody. In fact, too, meant to mention this at the beginning of the program, and I forgot. But uh, I'm going to order another five of these, and I will give them for free to the first five pastors who email me at the Spirit of Liberty or not the Spirit of Liberty, that's my old program, the Spirit of Prophecy, 1611 at gmail.com. Just give me your name, uh, church information, address, and the first five, I'm going to send it because I want to get this in the hands of pastors. So make sure you do that, and then make sure you join us tomorrow for another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy. God bless you. We'll see you all next time.